0: gotta be careful because it's easy to be seduced by the creativity and I'll take it a step further it's easy to think that creativity will save you and save your business problems.
1: Hi, I'm Darren Woolley, founder and CEO of Trinity P3 Marketing Management Consultancy, and welcome to Managing Marketing, a weekly podcast where we discuss the issues and opportunities facing marketing, media and advertising with industry thought leaders and practitioners. Now, in my regular industry column, Woolley Marketing, now once a month in Media Week Australia, I tackle the many false dichotomies that the marketing and advertising industry seem to fall for be it brand versus tactics, or data versus intuition, or any number of them? Well, my guest today is a marketer who, rather than simply falling for these fake dilemmas, appears to embrace the complexity of marketing and business to find ways to successfully navigate the brands and organisations through this uncertainty. Please welcome to Managing Marketing, Liam Lone-Lack, head of marketing, APAC and Canada at CMC Markets, a non-executive director, a B2B and B2C growth consultant, a marketing effective specialist, and a marketing academy alumnus. Oh, my God, what a list. Please welcome Liam. Liam, how do you have time to have a life when you are so many things to
0: so many people. So thank you for having me, Darren, firstly. And second second thing, um, I'm going to be clearly changing my uh, my LinkedIn title after you've read it out uh, there. And look, uh, uh, what I would say it reminds me of an anecdote um, or either a post that Mark Ritson uh, said about People who have long titles in 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 their, in their LinkedIn profiles. Um, so I'll let everyone uh, have have a Google about that. But uh, <laughs> but but to answer the question directly, um, <clears throat> you make time for what's important, and in particular, um, I'm really passionate about our industry. I I, I always have been, and so um, uh, all those things that, that you've listed off are, are things that I genuinely believe I am. But also. I'm really passionate about what we do as a marketing business. Um, and uh, in particular, the, the non-executive directorship it has been a great growth experience for me in the last uh, last 12 months, getting to grips with what boards think about marketing and the way business and marketing intersect has been a fascinating area of late in particular.
1: It is, it's interesting because, you know, I think that the more rounded you become in business, the better your perspective
0: and application of marketing disciplines, don't you, agree? I couldn't agree more. And I think that the complexity point in, in your very kind introduction, um, I really see that quite differently now. Um, if you had this conversation with me when I moved from agency into client side and had my L plates on client side, I would have thought about the complexity of business quite differently and the role of marketing. And so in specific terms, What I mean, when I was in agency, and of course I enjoyed my career in agency and believe in the value of agencies, but that aside, I saw a lot of effort, sweat, tears into building really quite complex responses to client client briefs and really talking about the data, the targeting, and all those things that there is a role for in marketing. However, three years later, client-side, I now realise that the more senior you get and the more board exposure or just sea level exposure you get, it's actually, no, tell it me straight, tell it me simple. It doesn't need to have a complex solution. Um, and there's an elegance in the simplicity of what you want to respond to. And if I could go back into agency, it would be cut the deck by 70%. <laughs> talk, talk, talk about it in 60 seconds. And there, or put it up on a whiteboard. And I think the, I've seen that happen at board level conversations. It's, okay. it's, it's the value of the conversation, not the value of the pitch deck, which is a bigger realisation than I probably anticipated.
1: Look, uh, and that's a great insight because it's certainly something that I noticed. You're going from working in agencies to starting my own business the level of complexity, all of the other things that a business is involved in other than marketing. Oh, yes. Right? Yes. And and that these are the things that day-to-day consume a huge amount of time. You know, I was interested recently there was an article that uh, they interviewed some senior marketers Mm -hmm. about how much of their time would be taken up considering media issues. Now, we're not talking about marketing issues, just Media media. issues. And on average, it was the old 10%. Now, I'm sure there was no actual uh, calculation of that. It it seemed to be one of those gut instincts. But I'd be very, very surprised if a very senior marketer would even have 10% of their time. Let's think about that.
0: You know, that's half a day a week. Well, if you're a very senior marketer, you should be spending your time managing your fellow executives because... And that should be the primary part of your time. And depending on whether you've got a media agency or not, or in house, that percentage may flex and uh, flex rather. And we'll talk about in housing um later. I'm sure because there's a, there's a big, there's always a big conversation about that. But in particular, I've noticed in the last couple of months and, and years. Um, but on the 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 ten percent point and 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 paid media in particular, I I do think that many clients don't have a good understanding of media. I, I would say that I think clients tend to gravitate more to creative and then you also have to think everyone has an opinion on marketing it's a very strange discipline it's like the analogy i use everyone will have an opinion on an it system very few people will then go oh i can do that better or i can go and implement that better (laughs) You're talking so, about next copyright. Yeah, yeah, I mean everyone yeah, can write. Yeah, everyone, everyone can write, but that, that doesn't mean I can charge you a thousand dollars an article like you, you, know. And so um I think that's a very unique thing that senior marketers have to sometimes get over. Mm-hmm. Um, and even very big businesses. I and the exposure I've had in the last couple of years after leaving the agency. Um the, the everyone has very strong opinions and very strongly held <laughs> on on marketing. But but I see the I see the beauty and the opportunity in that because marketing is the one thing in a business is the sexy showbiz part of the business and people understand inherently the value of it. And therefore I see it as great. They see the importance and they want an opinion because they see the value if we get it right. So I, I choose to see the, the good in that and the opportunity, not the oh, everyone's got an opinion, it's so hard. I see the opportunity in it. Look, I'm really excited about
1: what you said about um, people, marketers are inclined to be attracted to the creative. It explains one of the behaviours that we've noticed with pitching. Indeed. In that uh, marketers are very keen to go to a creative pitch but they're not as keen to go to a media pitch and I I've always thought it's because the creative pitches show and tell mm. and, and there's some glamour and 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 some visual stimulation mm. whereas you know media pitching will often require you to become a deeper expert perhaps beyond your uh, comfort level mm. to be able to separate media agencies' offerings from each other. And, and I say that because I've always said media is like the ancient game of Go. You know, the rules are very simple, <laughs> but it can take a lifetime to actually
0: master it. Yes. You know? And I think uh, it's really interesting. The, the trend that I think is getting more executives and more business leaders tuned into the value of media though, is the rise of retail media and owned media. Mm-hmm. So everyone that's well documented, the explosion of interest there. And so I think many businesses now go, oh, like, is there an opportunity for us to, to do something like this and leverage our existing assets? Is Combank doing that? And it's, that's been documented in, in trade press very recently, for oh, example. Oh, and ANZ. Uh, ANZ, uh, of that, course. That
1: group, Sondo, uh, yep. that have gone into ANZ and found <coughs> 600 million impression points yeah. existing within the ANZ infrastructure everything from emails to branches
0: yeah. to ATMs not machines. bad 6 mil times 20 dollars CPM you, you can work out the <laughs> <laughs> you can work out the maths on that uh, and so i think that's actually i think i may provoke more conversations about media versus versus creative but i do tend to agree the creative is the easy lever to pitch and pull media is less understood but in my business and the business i work in at CMC um, we are ultimately a financial services business, and we understand the value of pricing and, and an instrument. And the stock market is inherently an intangible mm. asset, um, just like media. Like media, yeah. you're buying, you're you're renting a space at the end of the day, and so the pricing of that and the value we can get from that. It's an easy conversation internally when you're in a business like a stock working business or a leverage trading business like mine, because it's a very similar economic model in terms of demand, supply, you know, market speculation, all the other things. So th- there is heightened awareness at CMC. And of course, given my media background, um, I, I definitely have gotten more involved than I probably should. But that's because I care. It's a big part of our investment. And we're setting up the foundations for our future success. There is a big
1: difference, though, between the stock market and media in that while the stock market, you will see results you know, you can actually track the trends. Yep. The media investment may not necessarily be readily apparent as to the true
0: value of that. Information right? asymmetries, yes, because yeah. you it's very hard to understand how much advertisers are spending.
1: But then you do get the inclined beh- behaviour of then going and trying to get down to the last click attribution, you know, mm. trying to find cause and effect, which then sees too many marketers <coughs> putting all their money at the bottom of the, you know, in quotes, funnel. Oh, yes. Because somehow that makes them feel more
0: certain in a world that is uncertain. Agree. And on that point in particular, so I, I think coming back to your introduction, the thing that I've observed is... In agency, we I speak all the time about brand versus activation and, mm-hmm. and those splits. At the end of the day, every business has a 12-month reporting cycle. We've got to accept the fact that marketing has to deliver, broadly speaking, in that 12 months. How you cut up that cake is up to marketing. But the business wants this delivery, this number, this target, whatever. The mix, they don't care. And that's cool. Mm. But So as a marketeer, you should go, great, I just need to invest to get this outcome. The split, I need to decide and just, and and there, a few people have talked about this, there is a lot of science behind it, but also at the end of the day, it's how, what do you think's right? What do your creative support? And you've just got to go sometimes with a gut feel. And I think... At CMC, our recent example, we do a lot of what I would call brand activation campaigns. It's it's, it's like a messy melange of of the both. And that's fine because in certain some of our markets, we don't have the luxury of big budgets to carve out that. Um, And and that's totally fine. Um, I think we sometimes get paralyzed with uh, there isn't any rules. Then we get some research which shows, oh, these are all the rules. So we've got to follow them. And then we all get a bit secretly a bit upset and a bit wounded because we we realize that we're not close to those best practice and those rules um, and so it can be a bit disempowering but the reality is is that just acknowledge the best practice and take the bits which work for you um, and you just need to deliver in that 12-month time frame is is the cold reality of it yes there's a broader conversation to have about the impact in multiple years the ongoing brand value yes that's all really good conversations to have but um, the whole bottom of the funnel, top of the funnel, mid funnel argument. I think I've learned it only goes so far, and certainly at the at the senior level, that beyond demand planning in performance channels, which is valid, everything else, no one really has the appetite to have. That's just a marketing sort of out. Is the Yeah, is That's, the, a, the... that's <laughs> another
1: level of complexity. That's, yeah. yeah, I'm really interested in the result, not how you get there. It's a it's a <clears throat> bit like I say to people: you don't go to a restaurant and have a meal and then ask, how did you put it together? Well, yeah, you, you, you want the meal, I want the outcome.
0: Mm. You may want to sizzle, like it depends what restaurant, maybe we go to different yeah, restaurants, yeah. like, yeah, the, uh, <laughs> you know, are you the, the main event come over and go, oh, this is how we prepared it and all the rest of it. But after a while, you're like, I'm really hungry, yeah, could, you, could, you, could you, <laughs> you put the food out? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna do it myself, so you, know, yeah. you
1: don't have to train me on how to do it. Correct, correct, exactly. Trinity P3. What you were talking about there, uh, you know, is very similar to uh, all of the theories around complexity theory, mm. okay, which is that a com- complex ecosystem, a complex operating market, markets, anything with human beings is complex. Unfortunately. Right. <laughs> um, but what they say <laughs> is that what, you, you know, there is no way of knowing best practice because whatever you do, there'll be either no response, a negative response or a positive response. And and they say in complexity theory, just keep testing into market. And if you get something that gives you the positive response you want, do more of it mm. until it stops working. And I think it's a really interesting because we get a lot in marketing about people talking about test and learn. But it becomes really hard as a marketer to put aside a budget to actually <coughs> test and learn, doesn't oh, it? Oh,
0: yes. And... Uh, I wish people could see my face. You've, you've triggered me a little on test and learn because um, I, I think many marketers use that phrase a lot, perhaps successively, yeah. would be my humble opinion. But we rarely construct tests which are ever, not even close to scientific.
1: And so like the-
0: Or experimental. Yes, yes. <laughs> a true experiment. <laughs> like we have, co- I have conversations still, oh, we're gonna A, B test this. I'm like, why? Like well, like what? Well, what are we testing the, but, and why? Yeah. But also the cost benefit of okay, so we want to create another creative asset. Okay, cool. So we do that. Oh, good. So do we really think the cost and effort involved in creating another asset is even going to be comment even well even proportionately worth that in terms of the uplift? Probably not. Mm. And do we have a do? Are we running it for long enough? Is it going to be a sufficient sample? Is it repeatable and replicable? Yeah. Is you know all these? And so I think, you know, we. It's also because marketing, at the macro level, why are we seeing these behaviours? So we're seeing these behaviours because marketing has a bit of a uh, an anxiety or I would suppose a complex, I would call it, around its value and seat at the table. And we want to inject scientific laws into what we do. And there's been some really interesting commentary um, by, um, well, lots of commentary in trade press, all the great work that the Ehrenberg Bass Institute do. And it's amazing work, right? Mm. But then lots of other people go, look, not everything is scientific it's still messy but I think the knee-jerk reaction is testing and everything everything's data led everything's experiment but we all know how ludicrous that sounds mm-hmm. because you you need you need to have a control group and you need to have the majority of, of your investment in what you know works now to your point like keep getting a positive result yeah. until you don't.
1: It's where you get that 70-20-10 uh, or, you know, the, the Coke model in particular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The Different versions of it where, you know, yeah. 70% goes into what you know. Yeah. But then you need to have the 10% of
0: trying things that you would not necessarily consider. So that's interesting because I've, for some executives, only 70% in what you know is is too low as well i've 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 experienced like it, what like the essentially was saying 30% were unsure whether there's going to be a return that's a, is a, that's a so big you know that that's really what you're saying mm-hmm. um and so i uh, you definitely have to have an experimentation layer in in your uh, in your plans my practical advice is rather than thinking about the whole budget in 70 20 10 pick a channel and pick tactics within channels yeah. that are potentially very different how you would normally act and, and and approach it that way. But here's the other thing. Most businesses want double-digit growth. They, they do, right? Yeah. And, and that's, whether they get that or not is, is neither here nor there. But if you want double-digit growth, you have to take a risk. Mm. And so sometimes you go, actually, this year, this quarter, we're changing big, big change of creative, big change of distribution. Big change of pricing, and if you really want those step change growth percentages, those double digit growth percentages, that isn't that's not experimentation. That's just taking a calculated business risk, right? Yeah. And, and many marketers, I I I don't think take those risks enough because of various reasons. Um, and the way it practically manifests, I would think most often is in the change of creative approach change of brand campaign, change of everything, that's normally the the most risky thing a marketer does. Um, But then that has a whole heap of issues around time to pay back and and all the other well-documented...
1: Well, because uh, there's very few uh, advertising agencies or advertising people that would say you're going to get a return on investment within that 12-month period you know, that you're talking about, you know, this annual reporting, quarterly reporting. It's the nature make, of it. Yeah, it makes it very difficult, yeah. Oh, oh, just on that point, one of my favourite things was I was talking to a CFO about why won't they allow lifetime value of customer as a, as a reporting thing, and he said, you've got to understand, Darren, on the last <coughs> day of the financial year, all of our customers die." Effectively, from a financial <laughs> point of view, they just die, and then the next day they're resurrected, and we start again. And I went, "That is such a macabre view of like literally millions of people." But
0: okay, I understand. I, well, yeah, and and uh, it, it, I mean, look, I, what a fascinating conversation! Like it was, uh, like it the, was uh, amazing. The Grim Reaper of CFOs, like um, <laughs> when he draws that line in the calendar, millions and from that screwed. point,
1: everything that happened before, all those people Jet. are gone. Dead. Dead to me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Trinity P3.
0: What I've noticed is the whole, the rise of conversations around product-led growth yeah. have been really interesting in the last year and a half, certainly. And normally relevant to the SaaS B2B model where businesses are going, well, look, marketing and sales are important levers. They're damn expensive levers, but guess what? Growth is expensive. So there's no yeah. growth hack out of that. It's expensive. But product growth where... And particularly
1: w- at scale.
0: Uh, correct. Right. No. Yeah, you know, it's easy
1: to do a growth hack on a very small part of the market, you know. And, Agreed. And then when you try and scale it, it's nowhere near the results that you got.
0: And that's a sampling problem. Yeah. absolutely and it's yeah it, it's um it's like a small base and big percentages like you know oh 500% growth yeah on what base like yeah, you yeah. Know, it's a similar kind of narrative but product like growth for me and that cfo comments uh, is interesting because i think what i'm observing now is more people going actually how is our product itself generating incrementality mm. and also harder to do but new customers yeah. so what does that look like and i think marketers are increasingly going and getting competency and remit, which is good, in things like pricing and distribution. Because that is the way to to kill some of that narrative around 12-month cycle, everyone dies and is resurrected again. Because that's not the consumer experience of the product. Right. Yeah. Um, and so um I think there's been there's some good movement in that area. And um, I think B2C uh, has some interesting lessons from B2B SaaS in that regard too.
1: Yeah. It, it, look it's interesting because that's another area. You know, we're seeing uh, uh, the CMO role or the marketing leader role get turned into things like chief customer officer, yeah. chief growth officer, chief... And, and I you, wonder yeah, so I often I often say you can call me Shrek if you'd like. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, no, I, I say to people, you know, they go, why do you think that's being driven? Yeah. I said, I think, you know, you could say it's as simple as the old four Ps or seven Ps, yeah. right? Yeah. That often a CMO's role in a lot of organisations was literally defined by promotions, the one P. 1P market is. And that there is a realisation increasingly in a lot of organisations that it has to be a broader remit than just having the lever of how much media and and promotion we do to drive growth. So that pricing and product, you know, new product development and, and the placement, you know, even in a digital world, the placement of that increasingly has to be coordinated. Now... If you used to call the person that just did your promotions the CMO, you have to come up with a name for someone that you're giving more remit to, don't yes, you? Yes,
0: indeed. So when, and, but then, but while I agree with the, with the narrative, and I think the notion of a 1P marketer is getting more readily exposed now mm-hmm. when MarTech is becoming such a big part of what CMOs do and the, obviously the visceral penetration over the last 10 years, so it's a good thing, but we have a bit of an issue around the way we grow up in our industry, because I still believe and coming from a legal background where it's an older profession and there's a much more well-worn path to maturity in the legal profession. There are gates and key signals of competency as you go through that. If you look at marketing, it's still a bit of a a bit of a wild west in terms of the way you can navigate from role to role and the experiences that you get. Oh. And people will cobble together And that that isn't a a slight. Like, this is one of the beautiful things about our industry too. You can cobble together an a la carte career in terms of things that you've done.
1: I was going to (laughs) call you on calling marketing a profession, you know, because in actual (laughs) fact, it fails at the very first hurdle of profession in that there is no minimum educational requirement to be a marketer. I don't have a marketing degree. neither do I. Neither do I. (laughs) But... Yeah, you know, having set, calling it a profession, but I agree that you know perhaps the thing that it's not so much becoming like the legal profession where you have to have a specific degree, in, but Agreed. there needs to be some guidance or at least some um, some uh, landmarks in a career path that starts to say right if you're going to have this type of title. These are the types of capabilities and skill
0: sets that you need. And I would love it if as an industry, and I'm happy for anyone who's listening to this, I'm happy to feed my contribution to it, to come back to your point on skill set and titles. It would be wonderful if we could just standardize what the CMO, Chief Customer Officer does from a competency point of view. And what I would love to see in the future as an industry is that we have to have some level of exposure to be seen as a marketeer at that level. Mm -hmm. Because for me, if you're a CMO, and really your role is about the one P of promotion, with with the greatest respect, you're not a CMO. Because a CMO should have very important influence and sometimes approval rights on things like pricing, on on the way that product is created, Mm. like NPD, for example. Not just P promotion. And of course, they should also have a really important, Important influence on things like the process, the whole end customer journey, and how a customer interacts with you. And so, there are many CMOs that, and this isn't a slight to them, that do one P. And yeah. so, I, I I think that's not correct from a title point of view.
1: Well, you know, twenty years ago they were called the promotions or promotions yep. manager or promotions director, maybe or advertising manager. We used to have those people in organisations. You make a good
0: point. Yeah, that have
1: then you know been. Uh, mm. uh, upgraded to a marketing director or mm. a chief marketing officer mm. when in actual fact the, actual, the job requirement hasn't changed. Yeah? And yet the expectation has because anyone in business that thinks about marketing should be thinking about the, the more broader go-to-market strategy that a CMO should be in charge of. Oh, look, I think that's a great innovation and probably something that someone like the, uh, in Australia, the aa and the Australian oh, Association, or the uh, yeah. Australian Marketing Institute should be taking on. I know they've got a Chief uh, uh, Certified Practicing Marketing uh, uh, Absolutely. allocation. Um, perhaps that should be part of, you know, what does that title, what does that indicate as potential
0: title totally and the, and the one thing I'm quite passionate about in a related vein on that point is we as an industry we cannot get enough it's like we, we're addicted or we have a fetish about it about the strategy and talking about marketing strategy and brand versus performance and, and all the dichotomies this or that you know and we, we obviously the ink spilled over that is well known but we never like. If I was to draw you a bar chart, it would probably it would be the biggest, biggest bar you could possibly imagine, and like the tiniest sliver in the in the and compa- the con- um, comparison of the time we spend talking about what is the optimum marketing team structure, what is the op- what is our what is our marketing operations kind of um, uh, policy, what is our playbook for that? People we don't talk about this. And then related, what is the right skill set? Um, which comes back to your capabilities, point on, on, yeah. Because human capital is is the thing which we still are all humans trying to market to other humans. AI aside, which we can we can touch on, of course. It's a marketing podcast, so so <laughs> so I suppose we have to talk but, about AI. But to that yeah. point, you know, one of
1: the things that we spend a lot of time doing with our clients is this idea of strategy structure. You know, structure follows strategy.
0: It certainly does. And
1: culture eats strategy for breakfast. And once you've got a structure, then what are the capabilities that you need to populate that structure with? And what's the process that actually defines how they work together? And then how you work is a big influencer of culture. You know, it becomes this cycle that you need to consider. What we find is often we're in organizations where marketing structure has happened almost either organically or as part of an overall organisational structure, usually by people that don't actually understand what the marketing department does. And so yes. that's why I think you've, you've hit on a really important area, because if you don't get the structure
0: right and align it to the strategic objectives mm-hmm. of the organisation, what are you doing? Of course, and, and I couldn't, obviously the strategy is important, to be clear, but like, well, I think we, we need to debate that but I would just love some rough proportionality in terms of going, okay, so this is the strategy. There are various operating models in terms of team, agencies, yeah. technology, yeah. Um, and use cases for technology, um, which are enablers of that strategy. Um, there's loads of interesting commentary around marketing tech and how so many use cases and so much of what clients are subscribing to isn't used. Yeah. Why? Because they either don't have the capacity, they don't understand it, And or the whole structure and process just doesn't enable you that usage, which is is business value going out the door. Yeah. The first
1: uh, 10 years, though, I found going into marketing departments, they seem to have only two structures sold oh. sold to them by one of the consulting firms, and that is a centralised <laughs> marketing structure or a decentralised. And then they got really creative and yeah. they started creating hubs and spokes. Oh. So you'd have a hub with all these spokes, which was sort of halfway between the two.
0: Sounds sharp.
1: <laughs> but to your point, yeah. none of this, you know, it was very traditional mm. organisational design. None of it actually was ever designed around, well, technology marketing technology platforms actually changes the way people work now it's not I do this and then hand it off to you Mm. it's more following for instance customers through a you know a particular customer journey or path totally and yet the structure really
0: is aligned to that but on the marketing technology point in particular so from my own experience where I am at the moment it, it is changing the way that marketing perceives itself, and the way that at the end of the day, internally marketing is servicing our internal stakeholders and their yeah. needs. Right? Let's let's not beat around the bush. Um, so, when that happens, marketing technology can bring that stakeholder to do eighty percent of the work for themselves. Yeah. And so it's a great thing for marketing because we can be what towards on the tasks which merit it. The, the really valuable execution of what they need all the sense check in the QA before it's executed. But they can do it all themselves. Yeah. So self-service is great because marketing teams should be focusing on the high value tasks like how are we going to steal share from competitors? How are we going to think about our brand value in the next two years? like How are we going to encourage switching and all these really hard things to do? Whereas I think historically marketing was far too tactical. So I think marketing technology can help create a culture of self-service for certain tasks, which otherwise marketing would perhaps do. And it's good because other departments and other disciplines within businesses can realize that actually when they touch the customer, they are performing a pseudo-marketing role. Like even if you're sending an operational communication or a legal communication, that's still a touch point. That's still technically marketing. And many people in the business have buy-in and the need to sometimes even execute those comms. So I think... It, it it obviously it's here to stay. It's good for us as business. I hope it will bring us back and the industry back to helping marketers focus on the harder stuff, mm. the real challenges of growth, rather than the tactical B A U of marketing,
1: and also therefore transform the conversations that happen within between marketing and the other um, areas of business. I'd imagine
0: absolutely. So we're we're onboarding various. We've got lots of marketing technology. We're onboarding some some new technology. Um, and the conversations are changing because of that self-service mindset. Um, and of course, the ability to get, an, uh, in inverted commas, real-time data on what's happening with the existing customers, of course, is super valuable, right? Mm. Um, another example, our customer support team. Yes, their whole notion is to, to service our existing clients. But also, there are things we can now reskill them on because there's capacity. So how can they help us with um, social, organic management, getting them across other parts of our business too, which is great from a skill set point of view. So sharing that classic marketing function within the business is also another enable enable uh, another thing that's been enabled by marketing yeah. tech. Trinity P three.
1: One of the other areas that we find uh, CMOs, If they don't just have the one promotion lever, they might have product and product. But a lot of... uh, Then when we get to customer experience, Mm. there's very few marketing departments that have either the capacity or the remit Mm. to influence all of those touch points that you're talking about. One of the ones that cracks me up is where an organisation is using an inbound or outbound call centre. Oh, yeah? And it's always way over there. You know, and then, well, what about all your own media, particularly websites? and Totally. Like- oh, well, that's over there in IT. And it's like, you know, I love what you're talking about, that the is allowing marketing more opportunity to go out into the organisation, to actually turn it around to being a marketing-focused, customer-focused organisation, which every CEO would probably talk about, but wouldn't necessarily have the platform or strategy to deliver that.
0: Correct. And and if we come back to what are we trying to achieve as a marketing profession, I'll use the P word again, even though yeah. even though there's very healthy debate on it. We do need to be relentless and pretty annoying internally on what's going to work for our customer. Hmm. And many businesses are guilty of developing things because it's good from a because the developer thinks it's good, that um, we've got research to back it up. That's all well and good, but does the client even care? And is it competitive? And so you do need to be provocative on those things. And that's where marketing comes in to, to play that, to play that role, which is what the CEO will talk about. But the reality of that is that creates positive tension in business. And that but but you should be able to have positive tension and indeed conflict around these things in business.
1: Well, you certainly see that in organizations where marketing is seen as a strategic leader. Yes. In that they're very much positioned as the voice or the perspective of a customer. And so they're listened to and and, and uh, followed because of that role. But, yeah, you know, to your point earlier, in many organisations, marketing is a service provider in the same as IT, uh, even procurement or, totally. or, or legal, are all service providers, that operations is the biggest part the next step up from that is to be a strategic partner. And that becomes very wishy-washy because everyone wants to be that. But that that really, ultimately, where marketing should be heading is to become a strategic leader (coughs) that informs the operations on what the customer is, to your point
0: about, delivering double-digit growth. Completely agree. And and the, the normal strategic input I've seen from marketeers in the where they the one P is of course is we're going to do a new campaign yeah. and we're going to be more creative. So creativity is a valuable and important good, but the reality is if you've got a better if you're fixing your product and you're really reliant on the customer experience, which should be marketing as as the the certainly the lead or a key voice in that, that's going to be more accretive to business value than just saying our ad is so creative and people are going to cry be happy when seeing it. Um, and I think one thing I find fascinating is as an industry. We put on a pedestal creativity as a kind of a good in and of itself. Um, uh, you you you've absolutely got me on my um, my soapbox now. Oh, because... stand up, stand.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, because, because I think from an yeah you know, from a seller's point of view, let's talk about agencies, creative agencies, seller service. What they're focused on is selling creativity. Of course, they are. That's like a chef selling his ability to whip. Cream, you know, it's. I don't want to know about your, your how good you are at whipping cream or <laughs> frying something. I want to know the dish you're going to serve and why it's going to be so valuable, the experience. You know, this obsession with creativity, cre- don't, you know. It's valuable. When yeah. you say it, people yeah. go, oh, you don't believe in creativity. That no, I matter. absolutely believe in creativity, yeah. but it's the application of it. That is much more interesting than the idea of it itself. What are you going to make with this skill, not the skill in its own right? And most creative awards are just focusing on the skill in its
0: own right. It, it, it indeed. And so, whilst, it, whilst, but that's like you know, architecture, right? You know, there's architectural awards, but my God. You would never live in these houses because <laughs> because like it would be cold, it would be like living oh, in a yeah. dungeon and yeah. all the way, where can I hang my things? Like it's just impractical. So, but it, it's celebrating the profession, which is awesome and it's a valuable good. But I just I think it creates the wrong incentive sometimes. And so personally, the only awards I really take stock of all the the, the indicators of success. Are things like the IPA awards or yeah. FE's like the, the work awards they're quite interesting in terms of the, the data they're trying to bring to it but it, you've got to be careful because it, it's easy to be seduced by the creativity and I'll take it a step further it's easy to think that creativity will save you and save your business problems yeah. and it's just not true and I worry about how many marketeers are left holding the baby Yeah.
1: When that well, I I have another uh, conversation I had with a head of um, uh, consumer affairs or consumer, I'm mm. uh, sorry, uh, corporate affairs, corporate comms. And, he, and I said, why don't you work closer with the CMO? Because you know, mm. the, the two of you are really out there. Uh projecting the reputation of this organization. Totally. And and his response, and it was quite pompous, but he said, Oh, Darren, you don't understand. My job is to convince everyone that it's business as usual and growth will continue. While my colleague over in marketing is coming up with new creative ideas and it just ricks a risk, risk, risk. Well, well,
0: yes. <laughs> and, and, and that's the fun tension of it, because it, like and we, we talk about this. Uh, CMC. Like to grow, you've got to take risk. Mm. Um, and so I think it would be really healthy to have more of a risk-based conversation when we're talking about the initiatives that we want. Because again, you want double-digit growth. Who doesn't want double-digit growth? To do that, you got to take some risk. Yeah,
1: you can't keep doing but, the things you've always done, hoping to get a better result.
0: But but being creative alone is not the type of risk you need to take. It's you know, it, there's a there's much more to it. Is I suppose what I would take from that.
1: Yeah, and, and the application of creativity in a whole lot of skills other than just developing cons. To your point about you know new product development and you know this this creative element. So I used to people would say to me, "You've gone from science to advertising copywriting. Do you, did you uh, do, are you upset about giving up? You know um, uh, science, and I said, well, it's science is creative." Advertising copywriting is creative. I apply many of the skills I learned in science today, which is probably why I'm here talking
0: to you, <laughs> well, yeah, look, look, as 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 a as a bad ex lawyer. Like I, I, bow down in your in your in your better qualifications than me on on science. But I think you know, it, we I think we have broad rules about what we think will work in marketing right now. Yeah. But we should. What's that expression? You have um, uh, strong opinions, but hold them lightly. Yeah. We've got rules, let's hold them lightly and let's be open to challenge, but let's not experiment to death off the back of that. Trinity P3.
1: Now, there's, there is another area that comes off that, which is we're now seeing marketers absolutely drowning in data. Yes. Some of it,
0: yeah. You know, I'm, we, I'm wet sitting here now.
1: <laughs> and, and, and data, not all data is equal, mm. you know. And which is the first lesson that it's almost like we talk about data as if it exists as a as a great uniformity, but in actual oh. fact, there's good data, there's bad data, and there's questionable data. Yeah. Oh, you know? Yep. Um, And and there are also a lot of marketers that have actually perhaps chosen marketing because they wanted to get away from things like mathematics and and science and things and they actually actively reject data Mm. or they see that it's potentially going to replace it and it's weird to see that dichotomy. You know, I think what's your relationship with data? Oh, because look,
0: it's an, I uh, like, we have an on and off relationship. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, uh, it's, it's inescapable, right? Um, I, I think on the, the data question in marketing, there's two things. Um, we are now at a state where anyone can justify anything with the data points available. So any marketing strategy, any approach, you can find data point for it. And you can find a super convincing argument like that. Like, that's the truth. Like, oh, put all your money into influencers, great. Here's all the data to support why. Put all your money into classic TV, great. Here's all the why. Split brand activation, here's the data why. So, first point, data will not give you the answer. Sorry, it won't. The second point, even before the era of big data, uh, inverted commas, where we are now, even before then, and even now, The good business leaders and good marketeers understand they will never have a perfect view of the situation. I read a really interesting article once saying that the best business leaders realized you were only ever going to have about 30, maybe 40% maximum of the amount of data that you need to make a decision. The rest is all based off your risk appetite, number one, and then ultimately gut experience. Now, that is a stark reality for people. And I think people are very uncomfortable processing that. Yeah. So they're my two big pillar points on data. And I think the way I would link that back to marketing is going, this is the strategy. We have enough data to support. And when I were specific terms, I mean we have short-term data around things like attribution. We have what I would call that intermediate data, so like market mix modeling data, search demand data, competitive data. Then we have like longer data, brand health data, consumer attitudes data Mm. and proper customer research like ethnography. Once you have all those data points, you've then got to make some choices. And there are many potential right answers Mm. is, is the reality. And the difference between a strategy that succeeds and a strategy which doesn't succeed is down to two things then. Number one, there is some element of choosing things that will grow at a faster rate and you write that wave up. But the second thing is how the market reacts to your execution. And sometimes you have to stay on that execution of that strategy and stay the course and know the alignment of your business to that strategy and those tactics is highly valuable and back the fact that the market will respond in a certain way yeah but there's no guarantee so it's about having the the, the, the conversation about that risk and so that is a broad reply yeah no, that, no that's that's my view on data and marketing
1: and look the thing I like about it is it goes to the very heart of my introduction you know that I find the most interesting and often the most successful marketers are the ones that have become comfortable with uncertainty. You know, that they don't sit there going, I have to know what to do, because it's not about having to know what to do. It's about collecting the information you need to inform a decision to do something and then be willing to go whichever direction the
0: results take you. Well, I'm also I'm paid to make a decision. Yeah. And if you have a... uh, someone once said to me, someone much smarter than me, one of my mentors, said, if you're an evangelist, you're a salesperson. Yeah. And so if you have that radical belief that it's this and it must be, that's great. That evangelism normally means you're peddling something and you're selling something. And that means your objectivity is clouded. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that because you believe in it. And that's awesome. And it, and it may be true. Yeah. But I live in the grey. and my And my role is to inhabit that grey area.
1: My um, father famously said to me, son, you're an expert if you get it right 51% of the time.
0: Yeah. And I quite. said,
1: well, dad, if I get it right 51% of the time, I'll be
0: happy. Well, yeah. And, and But but related to that on data, I think when do we, we rarely talk about, one of my old bosses um he used to talk about a blameless post-mortem, <laughs> which is quite, which is... I've attended yeah, a few, but... Anyway. Yeah, yeah, well, uh, yeah, the, the blood's dripping on the floor from how blameless it was. But like, it's a bit like your CFO, like at the end of this year, all customers <laughs> die and are resurrected. It's a bit like a blameless post-mortem where two people die in the meeting. But, um, and, and I think we rare, like, take a hard think about this when listening to this. When do you have a real root and branch post-mortem on why we think something hasn't worked, you know, it, it's we we rarely we may do lip service to that, yeah, but we rarely diagnose it and think about it in a blameless way. Like, yeah. and, and I think
1: to get the lessons to move forward. I mean, mm. yeah, the one the one thing they always say in science is if you learn nothing from an experiment, negative or positive, then you've wasted the experiment. Totally. Oh. I'd rather know why I failed miserably. <laughs> um, Edison. Yeah, remember one. the famous story. You, you took 5,800 and something filaments to find the one to make the light glow, you know, And they said, well, you know, isn't that a waste of time? And he goes, no, because everyone, I got
0: closer to the right answer. And in that instance, you only need one. Yeah. You only need yeah. one.
1: Well, but he wasn't right fifty one percent of the time. More so than fifty one. Yeah, five thousand yeah, so eight hundred no to
0: one. Like, <laughs> he would have been a non-expert using your, defin- <laughs> using your definition.
1: Liam, have uh, unfortunately we've uh, time's gone away. We've run out of time. I, I've so enjoyed this conversation. Thank it's you for so having me. It's so refreshing and so exciting to talk to someone that thinks uh, from multiple perspectives at things rather than running at this with, you know, this is the way to do it. I, I think, you know, it, it creates a, or it seems to be driven by curiosity. Curiosity is at the heart of creativity, um, but also balanced by an analytical approach. So I really, really appreciate your uh, conversation today.
0: Thank you for having me, Darren, and for, for the great chat.
1: I really love being here. Um. Just a question before you go, and that is, you know, If you could know what the future is, what would be the one thing you'd really want to know?